This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 334, and today we are talking about books being released on October 26, 2021, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Patricia Elsie Tuttle, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Patricia, hello! Hey, Lib. How's it going? Well, you know. <laughs> it's been a lot this week. I've had to go to the vet with the, one of the cats a lot, and it's exhausting. But he's he's okay. But, like, you know, getting more stuff done. So that has been exhausting. Also, um, I have some bad news that I need to share with everyone. This is going to be my last episode of all the books because my husband got me a gaming laptop for our anniversary. So I will just be playing World of Warcraft from now on, <laughs> apparently. So sorry about that. Uh, I am glad that I did get in as many books as I did because... <laughs> Um, I'm very excited. Because it is nothing but World of Warcraft from here on out. <laughs> I'm so excited. Like, I've been playing on and off for, I don't know, 15 years. I mention it on here every once in a while. And we I used to play it here at the house a few years ago. But, like, the updates, our computer is so old, you know, that eventually the computer was like, uh-uh, no. So, I, like, I could not get do any more updates. So, I haven't played in several years. So, I got a gaming laptop. Not a very fancy one because I'm a really bad World of Warcraft player. So, I don't deserve, like, a really fancy one. Um, so, it's pretty exciting. My life is so different now. Like, I don't know anyone else in my life that plays. So, and I also, I don't know what it is, but I feel, like, more like an adult than I ever have, like, with this purchase for some reason. <laughs> I'm playing video games exclusively on this machine like i don't i don't know but i'm pretty excited about it <laughs> it sounds very fancy it is it's like red and black and it lights up and it's like oh wow like nitro or something i don't know um i know very little about it like all i know is like i couldn't get it to work and so my brother who is a computer genius had me type in like a few things and then he took over my computer and like doop, 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 got it going and i have to say I highly recommend having someone else take over your computer if you've never seen it. It's kind of fun to watch someone else go around and, like, click stuff in your computer, like, with your permission. <laughs> like, I know we've done it here at Book Riot before, like, when we've been working on other stuff. And I get a kick out of it every time. I'm like, look at all these things that are happening on my computer that I am not doing. It's fun. <laughs> It just makes, like, it really, it makes me really anxious. Like, I, we do that at work. Sometimes I'm like, oh, don't click on that. Kind of like if you're showing someone a picture on your phone and they they go to swipe. It's like, no, I'm just showing you this picture. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. I guess I just have a really boring life. (laughs) Like, I don't care what you click on. (laughs) It's fun, though. I have a question for you. Yes. Because uh, this coming weekend is Halloween. (gasps) Are you pro-candy corn or anti-candy corn? Well, candy corn isn't 
necessarily vegan, so okay. I guess it doesn't I guess it doesn't matter because it's made made with gelatin. So oh, huh. but when I was a child, I was very much into candy corn. But what I liked better were the pumpkins, like the mm. fat little orange pumpkins. <laughs> I live in a house divided. My wife is very <laughs> pro candy corn, and I am uh, super anti candy corn. <laughs> and so I said she can oh. have it, just not in the apartment. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but like we like, she literally never has it anyway. It's just you know yeah. the argument we like to have and harass each other. You're like the Hatfields and the McCorns. Oh no! Yeah, I'm super punny lately. To the penitentiary, to you for you. Oh my god! Yeah, let's see what else. Anything? I don't know. My job is having a work virtual Halloween party, which I'm like, okay, sure. Hmm. Although I thought we were past that. Um, but I am currently working on my costume. Which, if it's a Zoom party, you can use like. A Zoom background to really enhance your costume. So that is exciting. I am excited about that. Are you not? Are you not allowed to share what it is? Are you not going to tell us? Well, I I can share what it is. I I don't think any of my coworkers listen to me. I'm planning on being the this is fine meme dog. (laughs) So the dog that's sitting in the room full of flames. So I have the Zoom background of the room full of flames. Genius. And one of my best friends had a tiny bowler hat for some reason. Um, (laughs) So. They let me borrow it. I just need to figure out some, like, ears and maybe, I don't know, orange shirt or something. I don't know. Genius. Yeah. So (laughs) that's going to be me in my work Zoom. So I'll have to take a screenshot of that. Yes, absolutely. So it is now time for a sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books for Young Adults. From number one New York Times bestselling author Jennifer L. Armentrout comes a book I have to tell you about. It's Half-Blood, and it follows Alex and her mom who have spent years on the run from The Covenant, a school where their pure descendants of gods hone their powers and half-mortal teens train to kill demons for them. When her mom is murdered, Alex has two options. She can become a servant for the pures or work twice as hard to catch up in her training. The second option seems easier, but it gets a little complicated, you see, when pureblood Aiden becomes her personal trainer. So falling for Aiden isn't her biggest problem, surprisingly. As demons close in, she must fight to stay alive, even while others around her are dropping dead. So again, Jennifer L. Armentrout does the thing when it comes to romance, fantasy, adventure, all those things. Other books are Blood and Ash, A Shadow in the Ember, all those good things. Make sure to check out Half-Blood by Jennifer L. Armentrout. And thanks again to Bloom Books for Young Adults for sponsoring this episode. This episode is sponsored by Lavender Con and Little District Books. LavenderCon, which is just the best name for a book festival, is a new book festival in Washington, D.C. It's presented by Little District Books, which is Washington, D.C.'s all-queer bookstore, both of whom are dedicated to celebrating LGBTQIA plus authors and stories. The festival will feature over 80 authors, including Terry J. Benton Walker, the author of the Blood Debts duology, famed audiobook narrator Natalie Nottis with her debut romance novel called Gay the Prey Away, and Rashid Newson, author of My Government Means to Kill Me, 
And as I am looking at the website right now, breaking news, I saw a familiar face, and that is Book Riot senior contributor Susie Dumont. I'm so excited to see her name on this list, author of Queerly Beloved and Looking for a Sign. So you have so many great authors to discover at the festival. LavenderCon will feature 20 plus panels with topics for middle grade, young adult, and adult readers discussing romance, fantasy, horror, writing craft, and more. There will be a queer artist market, so you can go nab all of the great art and stickers and pins and handmade goods. The festival is happening June 29th and 30th in Washington, D.C., and you can either grab Saturday, Sunday, or two-day VIP tickets, which come with a few extra perks. Thank you once again to LavenderCon and Little District Books for sponsoring today's show. We hope you make your way over to the festival. Okay, so before we actually get started with the books, I do want to remind you one more time, because this is your last chance this week to get your limited edition Book Riot 10th Anniversary merchandise, t-shirts, hoodies, all kinds of good stuff, available only through October. Go to bookriot.com slash merch and get something cool in our signature Book Riot colors. And uh, now we're going to talk about books. I'm going to kick it off like I have, I think, every week this month with a scary horror book. It's called Where They Wait by Scott Carson. And the main character is a man named Nick Bishop. He is a very well-known newspaper writer. He writes articles for journals and magazines and newspapers, and he's won awards. And But now, you know, you know how journalism is going and how the state of, you know, printed media is. He's out of work. Like, Nick Bishop, the famous writer, is out of work. Then he's contacted by an old schoolmate in Maine because he's from Maine. Yay, Maine! I, which is why I picked up this book as soon as I got it, because I was like, books out of Maine, books out of Maine, horror books out of Maine. So his schoolmate, whose name I'm forgetting, at, I'm sorry, uh, he contacts Nick and says, uh, listen, I'm starting this mindfulness app. And, you know, it's like one of those things where you like listen to it when you feel stressed and like when you need to get to sleep and try, it's, you know, he wants to help people relax. And this friend wants Nick to write a profile of him and the app for online use and like to, to share with the media. And Nick's like, well, that's easy money. And so he also has a second reason for wanting to go to Maine because um, his mother has Alzheimer's and he has not seen her in a long time. And now he can be closer to her and visit her in her last her last months. So he moves back to Maine and he goes to the offices of this app. It's called Clarity. And it's like super high security I, I read this book so long ago. I, I think he might have to, like, sign, like, an NDA or something when he gets there. He's like, what is going on with all of the security here? And, you know, he tells them, he's like, I want to, you know, like, have every aspect of this app, like, open to me. Like, I want to know about it. And they're kind of like, Ugh. And he's like, I want to know everything about the app if I'm going to write about it. And also, like, they can tell, like, Nick isn't a believer in any of it. He's like, I don't think people can, you know, trick themselves into feeling better. You know, like he has like very negative, negative thoughts about relaxation and mindfulness and, and all that stuff. He's he's not a believer. Um, he doesn't practice it. So he's like, all right, well, I'll still try it out for the article. But he's like, yeah, right. Like, this is going to help me relax. So he's staying in this old camp that I think used to belong to his family or someone that he knew. And it's like old and creepy and it's on a lake. And he downloads the app to his phone and he takes it home and he decides he's going to listen to it while he's sleeping because there's something called sleep songs on the app. And so he plays a sleep song and lays down 
And this woman starts singing, and the song is so weird and disturbing. And he's listening, and he's basically like, what is going on? This is so upsetting. And then, boom, it's morning. Like, the next thing he knows, it's morning. And he was like, huh, that's weird. And so he tries it again. But then he starts having nightmares. He starts having these very vivid nightmares while he's indeed sleeping. But he's having these vivid nightmares. Nick worked for years as a war correspondent in Kabul. And he suffers from PTSD. And he's getting, like, very anxious while he's sleeping. And he's getting really scared. And then this voice starts talking to him, like, addressing him by name. Even when he isn't using the app. Even when he isn't asleep. And so that's upsetting. You know, like... What is going on there? And he's trying to figure out. He thinks it has something to do with the song. He's trying to get to the bottom of the song. Where did the song come from? Who wrote the song? Who is singing this song? It may be tied to some gruesome local history that, I have to shout out, takes place in the town I live in now, which is pretty exciting. And the more he digs, the more he realizes that maybe Clarity's not that interested in having him write an article. And maybe he has just become an unwitting guinea pig for this scary song. The book is fun. It's scary. You know, it's like a, like the ringish kind of thing. Like you listen to this and now all the scary stuff is going to go on. I loved the updated use of technology, you know, using like the, the mindfulness app. It's set in Maine, where a lot of horror books are set. If you've been here, you know. And one thing I will say is that Scott Carson is the pen name of a New York Times bestselling author whose other books I have read and enjoyed. But it doesn't say his actual name in the description, so I'm not going to spoil it for you here. But if you go to Scott Carson's website, it says right there at the top. So I don't understand how pen names work, but I'm not going to spoil it for you on the show. I do want to give content warnings for violence, death, PTSD, illness, death of a loved one, and mention of suicide. It is Where They Wait by Scott Carson. I think you mentioned The Ring. I think The Ring was one of the last horror films I saw in the theater uh, before I stopped watching horror. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is that you're not going to read this book. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I appreciate the meditation apps I have. I want to continue <laughs> using them. <laughs> Um, so for my first pick, I have Being Seen, One Deafblind Woman's Fight to End Ableism by Elsa Sjönesson. I don't know about you, but I love a book with footnotes. Even more than that, I love a book that uses most of the footnotes just to add snark and sassy comments. This book does exactly that and more. Elsa Sjönesson is a writer, a four-time Hugo Award finalist, a professor, a sword fighter, a dancer, and very, very witty. She is also a deaf-blind woman with partial vision in one eye and bilateral hearing aids. Every time I read something from a disabled writer, whether it be a memoir, essay, or a tweet, I realize how my perceptions of certain disabilities have been heavily shaped by media which media's really, really crap at portraying disability. I'm not completely ignorant, but wow. I am really grateful for books by disabled authors. And this author really digs in. 
This book is part memoir and part examination of how disability, primarily characters who are deaf or blind, are portrayed in media and so many ways and specifics about how shows, films, books, and plays get it wrong. I appreciate that before digging in, Stianison lays some groundwork and really asks readers to examine what we think when we hear that someone is deaf, blind, or deafblind. Like assuming all deaf people speak ASL or that all blind folks can read Braille. Far from true. This is not a book to look to if you are looking for what we call inspiration porn. The only thing you should be inspired to do after reading this book is to tear down systemic ableism. It was a really intense read, each page making me angrier and angrier, and then laughing at the author's snark and then breaking my heart. Stionison tackles the subject of Helen Keller right near the beginning of the book, which makes sense considering that Helen Keller may be the only deafblind person many people know of. This chapter alone is worth the price of admission. I can be nothing other than absolutely horrified by the miracle worker. Stianison also writes about the intersections between being deafblind, being a woman, and being queer. Stianison was raised by queer parents and her father died of AIDS, and she does talk about that a bit in the book. Like many queer folks her age and older, me included, COVID-19 is not our first pandemic. The author doesn't shy away from calling out even the most beloved properties. We're talking Star Wars, Star Trek, Daredevil. She also talks about things like dating when you are disabled and catcalling and sexual assault. It's not a light read, but it is so important and it has given me so much to think about and showed me so much more that I have to learn. Some content warnings for this, explicit depictions of ableism, school bullying, sexual assault and abuse, and references to caregiver murder, police brutality, emotional abuse, and physical abuse. This is Being Seen, One Deafblind Woman's Fight to End Ableism by Elsa Sianison. All right. My next pick is a delightful rom-com called Don't Fall in Love by Jackie Lau. This rom-com is set in Toronto, and it is food-based, which is my new favorite trend. There are so many great rom-coms coming out this year and last year and next year that are around like food competitions and restaurants and it just seems to have taken off and I just love every everything about it. I did see uh, some people on Goodreads calling this a reverse Notting Hill. Then I had to like try and remember Notting Hill, but um, you'll see why when I start talking about it. It's also one of two donut themed romances coming out like in the next couple of weeks. There's this one and then there's the donut trap, which comes out next week. And then there's another donut-themed romance coming out from one of the rioters in 2023 from Adiba Jagadar. She's got one coming out, which I also think is called Donut Fall in Love, but maybe that will change between now and then. I don't know. And just donuts. So excited. Love donuts. Uh, So this one is about an actor named Ryan, and he has returned home after his latest movie has been released, and it's not getting very good reviews. He's starring in a rom-com. He's a big you know, celebrity. He has a huge fan base, but not getting very good reviews for this one. And his mother has passed away recently. He's dealing with that grief, and he's going home to see his father, but he doesn't 
communicate well with his father. They don't they don't know how to talk to one another. So it's kind of an awkward situation for him without his mother there. He meets Lindsay McLeod. She owns a bakery and they don't get off to a good start either. She doesn't have great reviews for him because he knocks over a bunch of donuts in her in her shop and she's just like, "Grr." But also, instant attraction. There's a little spark there. Something's going on. So we know that, like, they like each other, and then Ryan gets a spot on the celebrity baking show Baking Fail. And so he asks Lindsay to help him prepare for the show and to teach him some tricks about baking. And they begin spending more time together, and pretty soon love is in the air. It's a sweet, haha, story about two people dealing with personal struggles who find each other in the middle of trying to deal with everything in their life. It's just really cute and sweet, and I liked it a lot. I do want to give content warnings for illness and death of a family member, bullying, and racism. That is Donut Fall in Love by Jackie Lau. I love donuts. Mm, I want one right now. We had donuts at our wedding instead of cake. (laughs) (gasps) That sounds amazing. (laughs) Well, also, like, wedding cake is rarely ever like the best cake i've ever had and they're so expensive so right they're just supposed to look nice exactly meh and expensive um so for my next pick i have more nonfiction. i have read this to get smarter about race class gender disability and more by blair imani Blair Imani is an educator, historian, and internet influencer who makes great little videos under the series name Smarter in Seconds. These videos are often under a minute long and will give concise explanations of anything from online harassment to how to apologize to gaslighting to bisexuality, like a whole huge range of subjects. Blair Imani herself is Black, Bisexual, and Muslim. And when she makes videos on certain subjects, she brings in multiple community members to collaborate, such as her Smarter in Seconds on Indigenous Identity. This book is almost like a bunch of those little videos all together in book form. She tackles a lot of big subjects and supplies readers with enough information that we can walk away knowing basic definitions and also ideas about where we need to dive deeper. Like, a single chapter in a book is no way enough to tackle something huge like gender, but it's maybe enough to give an overview to, say, a relative who has perhaps not thought deeply about it. The author starts with the self and focusing on identity from name pronunciation to gender and dead names and last names and pronouns and more. Then we move on to relationships, like family structures, intimate partnerships, abusive relationships, boundaries, and things like how to be accountable to your circles and how to apologize. One of my favorite sections is about class. Like, gives really great overviews about what is capitalism, What is socialism? We already have socialist programs like the Postal Service and the Library. What do people mean when they talk about wealth hoarding? There is also great sections on race and racism and disability. There is also a section on sex, gender, and sexual orientation, but this is not the book I would necessarily recommend for those topics. Since I used to teach about those subjects, I'm very particular. But the other topics, though, make the book 
a very worthwhile read. This book is really a phenomenal resource for folks who are new to thinking about all of these topics. I see it as not only a good personal read, but also a good gift for anyone from a young adult to an older relative who has not done any deliberate learning since they were in high school. You know the ones. The ones that respond to everything remotely new with, well, that's not what I was taught. Like, I think this is a really good book for those folks. What I like most about this book is that the subjects feel bite-sized. It's clear and concise and lays a lot of basic groundwork for further learning. It's also a great resource. The first bit that comes to mind is a chart of ableist language that shows what some of the terms are, why those terms are ableist, and what to say instead. So it's not just like, don't say that, but it has some options of here's what to replace that with. Again, entire dissertations can be written on even a portion of any one of the subjects this book tackles, but this book can get conversations going. In fact, each section has reflection questions, which I really appreciate, and I'm really glad this book exists. It's Read This to Get Smarter About Race, Class, Gender, Disability, and More by Blair Imani. Okay, I'm going to take us back to uh, light and fun reads that are great for the fall. It is Grave Reservations by Sherry Priest. And before I tell you about this book, I want to read you the dedication because it's kind of really awesome. It says, this book is dedicated to my sister, Becky Priest Sanavica. She didn't have anything to do with writing it, and none of the characters are inspired by her or anything like that. I don't even know if she likes mysteries. But the other day I complained about running out of people to dedicate books to, and she called dibs on this one, so I told her I'd do it. I bet she thought I was joking. I just love that. First of all, Sherry Priest is so prolific, like the idea that she's running out of people to dedicate books to is awesome, because if you've never read her, she has a huge back catalog and she's really great so this one is adorable it's about a psychic travel agent you're on board already i can tell Uh, it's about a psychic travel agent and a seattle police officer who team up to solve murder the travel agent's name is leda foley she is the owner of flights of fancy and she books a trip on a plane for detective grady Merritt of the seattle police department and In the middle of connecting to his next flight, she calls him and tells him that she has canceled his connecting flight and he should take a different plane. And he's like, what? I was just about to be home. I was just about to catch this plane. You know, I want to go home. And she's like, "Mm, no, very sorry. Don't take that plane. And you're going to have to go through like Florida now to get to like wherever. And so he's like, what is happening? And right as he reaches the gate of the plane that he was supposed to take, he sees it taxiing down the runway, and the plane blows up. And he's like, whoa, I was almost on that plane. Because, see, here's the thing. Leda is psychic, and she gets these feelings sometimes about things. But she doesn't quite know what it means. She knew that he shouldn't get on that plane, but she didn't know what was going to happen she can't, she, it's tough being a psychic because she can't call the airline and say, like, something's going to happen to the plane because, you know, the FBI would come swarming in and arrest her and think, you know, 
that like if something did happen to the plane, you know, that she was responsible and people don't often believe her when she tries to tell them things and, you know, they kind of write her off. So she couldn't be like, you know, hey, I'm a psychic and you shouldn't get on the plane. You know, she just told him not to do it. But he's like, he's a believer, Grady. And, you know, he he works out that there's something going on and he talks to her and he finds out, you know, she's a psychic. And so he thinks that she can help him solve one of his toughest cases. Meanwhile, Lita is actually, she's grieving because she has this gift, but she hasn't been able to use it to solve her own fiancé's murder. She works on her skills. This book is so funny. She works on her skills at a bar by doing something called clairvoyant karaoke, in which she sings songs based on, she'll hold someone's, an object belonging to somebody, and she'll sing a song that is important to the person who owns that object. And so Grady and Leda tame up to help each other with their cases and learn that their cases may have more in common than they realized. It's really fun. I like psychic books. I wish, like, there were more psychic books. I also, but I also, like, ask a lot of questions when I'm reading psychic books, like, if they can tell the future, like, why aren't they all billionaires? I mean, I guess some of them don't use their powers for evil, but I totally would, you know, you know, do something like that. You know, be like, hey, you know, I'm going to play the lottery or something like that. But I, I mean, I love, you know, when they're like, I know all this about you. And, you know, I always love those scenes. Um, it's charming and light. I really love latest friend Nikki. I will say there's not a whole lot of using psychic powers going on in the book. I would have liked a little more of that, but Leda and Grady make a really good pair. Uh, Grady, actually, he lost his wife uh, and has a, he, he now lives with a 17-year-old daughter. And so he, he can relate to Leda, you know, who has lost her fiancé. But, you know, that is sad, but it is mostly witty and funny. And I hope to see these two again. I want to give content warnings for illness, death of a loved one, murder, and violence. It is Grave Reservations by Sherry Priest. And now we are going to hear from our next sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of Just Some Stupid Love Story. So in Just Some Stupid Love Story by Caitlin Doyle, Molly and Seth were best friends turned lovers until Molly ghosted Seth on the eve of their high school graduation, which is very trifling, I might add. So now they've reunited again at their high school reunion 15 years later, and they make a bet. Whoever can predict the fate of five couples before the next reunion must declare that the other is right about true love. But what is the catch, you might ask? Well, the catch is that the fifth couple is them. Dun, dun, dun. So this is a callback to the best 90s and early 2000s rom-coms. If you like When Harry Met Sally or How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, this will be right up your alley. This is also perfect for fans of romance readers of Emily Henry, Catherine Center, and others like that. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of Just Some Stupid Love Story, for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Sourcebooks Landmark. So King Solomon says something very interesting to his son before he dies, and that is, quote, don't let the white man take the house, end quote. These, as I just mentioned, are King Solomon's last words to his son as he dies. Now, all four Solomon siblings must return to North Carolina to save the kingdom, their ancestral home, and 200 acres of land from a development company. Told in alternating viewpoints, long after we are gone by Tara Shelton Harris, 
is a searing portrait of the power of family and letting go of things that no longer serve you, exploring the burden of familial expectations, the detriment of miscommunication, and the lessons and legacies we pass on to our children. It's an explosive and emotional story of four siblings, each fighting their own personal battle, because who isn't, who return home in the wake of their father's death. Make sure to check out Long After We Are Gone by Tara Shelton Harris. And thanks again to Sourcebooks Landmark for sponsoring this episode. Okay, Patricia, what do you got for me? For my next pick, I have Squad by Maggie Takuda Hall and Lisa Sturl. This graphic novel actually came out earlier this month, but I really love it and I wanted to make sure that it's on all your radars. Full disclosure, I'm acquainted with the author Maggie in real life, and she is the most charming person I have ever met. But even if I wasn't acquainted with her in real life, this book is totally rad and I would recommend it regardless. Some content warnings up front for violence, microaggressions, and anti-fatness. This graphic novel has everything. Mean Girls, werewolves, rapey young men getting brutally hunted and murdered, sapphic romance, and it basically takes place where I live and you all know how I love hyper-local stories. So we start at Piedmont High School. So telling you a little bit about Piedmont. Piedmont is an incredibly affluent little town in the middle of Oakland, California. Like there's like there's a town in the middle of Oakland. The city of Oakland literally surrounds Piedmont. The median market value of a home in Piedmont is just under $3 million. I certainly do not live in one of those homes, by the way. I am safely in Oakland. But yeah, that's that's the area that this takes place. So Piedmont High School. Our main protagonist is Becca, who is Asian American and a junior in high school and just moved to Piedmont from Los Angeles. Her mother is divorced and moved them to Piedmont so that Becca would have, you know, good opportunities, i.e. make rich friends who have connections for college or jobs or whatever. On her first day, Becca meets Marley, who invites Becca to join her and her friends for lunch. Becca learns from her AP chemistry lab partner that Marley is one of the cool girls and anyone at the school would give anything to hang out with that clique. So during lunch, Marley introduces Becca to Ariana, who seems to be like the alpha in the group, and Amanda. She starts hanging out with them almost nonstop and is super desperate to fit in. Throughout this book, she's making a lot of cringy decisions that I'm not going to judge because I was also a teen at one point, contrary to popular belief. Ariana is the only one in this clique with a boyfriend, a senior named Thatcher, who is just a complete tool. There is a lot of tension between Ariana and Amanda as well, maybe around Thatcher or something else. While they're all at a party, Becca gets persuaded away from the group by some guy that's there. It looks like he has plans for sexual assault, but then Ariana and the rest of the squad intervene. Then they make Becca a delicious offer she cannot refuse. Ariana, Marley, and Amanda are werewolves, and they want Becca to join their pack. This book is 
a delight. I mean, it's violent and bloody, and like I said, some cringy teen decisions and gross microaggressions, but it was a lot of fun. I read it twice already. It's the perfect season for it, too. It's Squad by Maggie Takuda Hall and Lisa Starl. You know, having read this book myself, you could almost say this is also a food-related book. I mean, there's definitely some eating. (laughs) (laughs) So my last pick for today is actually a book that comes out next week because there are so many books coming out next week that I can't possibly talk about all the ones that I have loved. So I picked one to talk about today because what's seven days? It's a really fun legal thriller. Why are there not more legal thrillers? Oh, I love a good legal thriller. And this is one of them. It is called All Her Little Secrets by Wanda M. Morris. It's a fantastic legal thriller. How many times can I say legal thriller today? (laughs) About sexism, racism, toxic masculinity, and murder. The main character is Elise Littlejohn. She is a lawyer in a prestigious law firm. She has a fantastic job. She gets paid really well. And yet she still has to deal with racism and sexism and microaggressions every day as one of the only people of color in the firm. She also has some secrets, hence the title. The big one is that she's having an affair with her married boss, Michael. And at the beginning of the book, she comes in early to the office and she finds him dead. He's been murdered. But she doesn't call the police. She like backs out of the room and goes home to pretend like it never happened. Because not only is, you know, her affair with her married boss one of her secrets, but she also has secrets involving her brother, something that happened in her hometown, and she doesn't want that to get out. So she says nothing, and she ends up with Michael's job. You know, she before she even, like, knows what's happening, really, they're like, hey, we want you to replace your boss. Uh, okay, great, thanks for doing that. And she's like, uh, 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 and suddenly, she's the boss. And... As she goes through his stuff, and as she looks at things, she begins to uncover a conspiracy that her boss slash lover may have stumbled on himself. He may have stumbled on something bad that got him killed, and now she's in the hot seat. Is this going to happen to her? So she needs to figure out who killed Michael and protect her brother and save herself from this conspiracy. It's so good. Uh, I've heard it compared to How to Get Away with Murder, which I have not seen before, so uh, I'll just drop that recommendation, but I don't I don't actually know the comp. You probably do. If you like Attica Locke, it's a really great, a really great uh, thriller like that. Um, I do want to give content warnings for racism, sexism, infidelity, toxic, toxic masculinity, violence, murder, and mentions of sexual assault. You're going to be seeing this one everywhere pretty soon. It is All Her Little Secrets by Wanda M. Morris. For my last pick, I have, I have baggage. Um, The title is (laughs) Baggage Tales from a Fully Packed Life by Alan Cumming. This book is out today, but I was unable to get to it in time to fully talk about it on the show. But I am very much looking forward to reading it. If you are like me, then you fell in love with Alan Cumming through his performance as the MC in the Broadway revival of Cabaret. Or like as a villain in Spy Kids, right? He's done so much work. He was really, really awful in Circle of Friends, too. He was the bad one. Oh, yeah. And I think he, he was 
maybe Nightcrawler in some of the X-Men yeah. movies? Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. He's just awesome. No, it's fine. Um, I will totally just talk about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> in anything he does, he always gives such a stellar performance. This book is actually his second memoir. His first is titled Not My Father's Son, and I have a copy of it, but I haven't read that one yet either. The book that's out today, Baggage, is a lot about his life as an actor and the joy and trials he's gone through and how they have shaped who he is today. I have this on audiobook, so I'm really looking forward to hearing him tell his own story. I love a good memoir. I always feel weird when I see people rate a memoir as anything less than five stars. Like maybe maybe the writing isn't great, but it's like like your life was two stars. Like it's so it's so odd to me. So like memoirs just I think there's always something interesting to be found about anyone. So again, this is Baggage Tales from a Fully Packed Life by Alan Cumming. Have you been watching Schmigadoon? No, because I do not have the Apple TV. Uh, he's on that now. He's really oh. cute. I love him. Yeah, I kind of want to. I want to see it. Um, it has like all my favorite people in it. Yeah, but I have. Um, I know I'm late to the party, but we have started watching. Um, what we do in the shadows. Hmm. So we watched the film, the mockumentary from like. 2014 and then we've started watching the show and it's just it is everything i want it is great (laughs) i should watch the show i haven't seen the show i have seen the the movie a few times but yeah it's it's just it's my kind of humor and yeah it's good so those are our new books what are you going to read next So currently I am listening to Never Say You Can't Survive by Charlie Jane Anders, her book that came out within the past couple of months, right? I think so. Yeah, it's nonfiction on writing, and it's been a while since I've read a book on writing. How about you? So I am going to read Quantum Girl Theory by Erin Kate Ryan, uh, which I don't really know anything about except that it's a debut novel and Kelly Link compared it to Shirley Jackson and Carmen Maria Machado. So, I mean, I mean, I do know a little bit about it. It's about a young woman who is a clairvoyant and she has a knack for finding missing girls, but also like she herself might have been a missing girl in a past life and she can see other people's past lives and we learn about her past lives. I don't know. It sounds awesome. So I'm very excited to read that. It comes out on March 8th of next year, which will be here before you know it. So, so don't Oof. worry. And that's all for us today. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. You can find us online. Patricia hangs out on Instagram and Twitter at the info file. I mostly hang out on Instagram at friends and comes alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, I have to go play World of Warcraft. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime... Happy Happy reading. reading!